Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello and welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele, and it's a pleasure to be joining you for your commute to work, your daily jog, your dinner prep, whatever it is that you're listening. We're really glad to be with you, just as long as it's not while you're quiet quitting. Hey, we're back after a short post-Thanksgiving break here. I hope you had a great time celebrating with family and friends. I know we certainly did. Now that Thanksgiving has come and gone, it means that Advent has officially started. Don't worry, it's not too late to establish your own Advent rhythms for the year if you're still wondering what to do. If you haven't already, go back and check out our two Advent episodes from November. There you'll learn more about why we celebrate Advent and how you can participate. Also, you'll find links to a couple great resources like Jason Gabery's Wait With Me and Betty Dickinson's Making Room in Advent. Both of those are IVP titles, so you can use your lifetime alumni discount to get those for a cool 40% off. So check those out and make the most of this Advent season as we wait with expectancy for Jesus. Now, I'll say there's also a chance of grabbing one of these titles for free. You may have seen it on Facebook or Instagram already. In the spirit of celebrating a great season of the podcast, which is coming to a close in just a couple of weeks here, celebrating the two-year anniversary of After Four and, you know, Christmas, we thought it would be fun to do a giveaway. We've had some amazing guests on the podcast this season across the board, and some of those amazing guests have developed some really cool things, things like books or merchandise of some kind. Well, we'd like to give a few of those things away to you, some of our amazing alumni listeners. So if you'd like a chance to win a copy of Wait With Me by Jason Gabery or Making Room in Advent by Betty Dickinson or God Speaks Through Wombs by Drew Jackson, then you should check out the giveaway. We're also going to have some merchandise from alumni-owned businesses like Zuahaza and Beza Threads, who were also on the podcast this season. A lot of really cool items, and you might be able to win one. So there are two ways to get yourself entered in the giveaway. One, find our post about the giveaway on Facebook and Instagram, follow us, like the post, tag three friends, and you'll be entered. Second option, if After Four was in your top five podcasts on Spotify, Grab a screenshot from your 2022 wrapped, put it in your stories on Instagram or Facebook, and tag us in the story. Either of those two options will get you entered in the giveaway. This event's going to run through December 15th, and after that, entries will no longer be accepted, so jump on that now because it's coming up fast. And then we're going to announce the winners on the final episode of the season, which happens December 20th, just a couple of weeks from now. So make sure to enter and tune in on the 20th to see if you won. All right, how about today's episode? Uh, it's the first Tuesday of the month, so you know what that means. Urbana sneak peek. And this is actually our last sneak peek before the real Urbana 22 deal happens in December. Today, we're talking with Purdue University alumnus Ross Haymond. Ross is going to be our alumni manuscript leader during Urbana 22. Today, we're going to get a chance to get to know Ross a little bit. And Ross is also going to give us some insights on manuscript content and how to prep well ahead of time. We had a great time chatting, and I'm excited to share that conversation with you right now. So here's Ross. This one's for you, alumni. Hello, Ross. 
Hey, John, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and excited for our conversation. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad we get to do this. Uh, word on the street is that your family has a new baby in town. How are things going at home right now? <laughs> yes, we have a three-week-old baby girl, Elizabeth Grace. We call her Ellie Grace. Things are going well. The first like two weeks is just sort of like blur. And then usually by like week three, <laughs> it seems like you're at least sort of finding a groove. Super thankful that my employer has some pretty generous parental leave. So able to kind of care for my wife and the new baby. I had forgotten that you're only like three weeks in as we're talking <laughs> yes. here. So thank you even more so for being on. This is an investment of time because paternity leave is not a vacation. There's work to be done. So thank you for being with us today. So beyond some of the new family stuff that's going on, Ross, would you just introduce yourself? Help us get to know who we're going to spend the next you know, 25 or so minutes with here. So my name is Ross Hammond, currently located in West Lafayette, Indiana. My wife, Katie, is actually a part-time staff with InterVarsity and helps with the chapter at Purdue. I used to be on staff with InterVarsity, and now I work for Purdue University in the electrical and computer engineering department. We have a three-year-old boy, a two-year-old boy, and a newborn girl. So anything outside of family and work is still figuring itself out. But enjoy exercise. Obviously, I'm from Indiana, so college basketball and getting to enjoy some of the Purdue sports as we take the boys to football games and basketball games. And if you're in West Lafayette, then you must know the Zenteras. Yes, I do. Actually, Annie was my staff when I was a student. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, the Zenteras are great friends and see them pretty regularly. The Zenteras are some beloved guests of the podcast. Well, Ross, continue just kind of filling us in here. Tell us a little bit about your school background. Where did you go to school? What did you study? When did you graduate? Well, uh, yeah, just some of those things. Like I said, I grew up in Indiana. And where I grew up, there's two schools that you go to, either Indiana University or Purdue University. My family is one of those split families where they start recruiting you to like their school. And so I came to Purdue and ended up studying food science, which sort of became just like a means to an end. I kind of just needed to finalize a major and, and have a potential job. I graduated in 2014 and the rest is history. I'm also from Indiana. I did not go to either of the two big schools. I had family that went to Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake. So I was being heavily recruited there my entire life. I broke from family tradition and went to Indiana Wesleyan in Marion instead. My grandmother was not happy that I didn't go to Grace. <laughs> so maybe I've had some of those same moments of family that's pulling you in one direction and saying, oh, sorry, not going to do that. So Ross, how did you get connected with InterVarsity then? So I grew up in a really small town, Waldron, Indiana. Our claim to fame is we're the smallest school to ever go undefeated and win the state championship. Super small town. As far as church life goes, there was like two churches. Everyone just went. But a big thing in my faith journey is I could never really find like an older guy that was following Jesus in a compelling way. I was just seeing a bunch of men that were just showing up at church and their lives didn't really look different than the guy down the street that wasn't showing up to church. And so it kind of brought this big level of confusion. And coming into school at Purdue, I didn't really have a lot of community. So I went from like 56 kids in my graduating class, my first calculus class at Purdue, there was more people in the room than like my entire high school. That was my experience too. <laughs> and so it was like, whoa, this is huge. I need to make it smaller. And so I actually ended up joining a fraternity. And that's where I was looking again for those older sort of male influences. But this time it was definitely not faith-based. It was like, here's what the world loves. And I want to try to be like these guys. 
I got to the end of my freshman year and I had like everything that campus told me that I needed. There was girls in the picture, parties to go to, grades. I had everything. And it was like, this still isn't it. I got to campus my sophomore year and it's like the second week of school. Some of my friends invited me to this Greek university event. They're like, hey, there's going to be like a bunch of like fraternity and sorority people. And I was like, well, I kind of grew up in and around church. I might as well just check it out. And I walked in and it was like an all guys Bible study. And for the first time in my life, I saw people, one, studying scripture in a way that I'd never seen before. And then two, like the way that they were acting and talking, it was like, whoa, there's something different about their life than any of the churchy guys that I'd ever seen before. And so I was like, I should kind of check this out. Then through meeting up with a staff worker, we literally started studying scripture and studying the life of Jesus. I kind of got to this point of like, whoa, the Jesus of the scriptures is so different than the Jesus that I had put together in my head from Sunday school slash sermons that I had heard. And I was like, if this Jesus is who he says he is, then he deserves my whole life. And so made a commitment of faith sophomore year, really started pursuing the Lord, kept getting more and more involved with my university chapter, started going to things like conferences, eventually ended up at Urbano, and then came on staff for five years. And then now I'm here. Well, hey, since you mentioned it, let's just jump right into it. Ross, we're going to see you at Urbana in some pretty cool ways. We'll talk more details about that in just a minute. But you have past Urbana experiences. Let's start there. How did Urbana impact you? I was thinking about this this morning. Technically, I met my wife at Urbana for the first time ever. Oh, okay. We both were students. <laughs> we did not start dating at Urbana. It was like way later, but we were like in the same spaces and she will joke that she doesn't even remember that she met me. <laughs> but so my first Urbana experience, basically I was just gobbling up all of these university experiences. I was living in a fraternity house where like not a lot of people were following Jesus. And so I needed spaces to connect with other believers, to explore this thing, to grow and to study scripture and I distinctly remember it because I think like everyone in my friend's sphere was of legal drinking age. And so they were kind of, hey, we're going to go to Chicago, have this huge New Year's Eve blow up. And Annie Zentera is my staff worker. And she's like, hey, I think you should be going to Urbana. I was kind of living in this conflicted space. And what really, I think, pushed me over the edge for Urbana was that I was entering into a discernment season. I was looking at my career and it's like, is that really what God is inviting me into? I was looking at the ministry that I was doing on campus and the impact that I was having on my friends who didn't know Jesus. And Urbana was pitched as, hey, this is a place where I can come and have space to actually hear from the Lord of what he's wanting me to do with my life. So then I was like, okay, I'll commit. It was me and like one other person from Purdue, a really good friend, Carl Littrell. We packed like nine people into a hotel room, sleeping on the floors. We met some people from the University of Illinois, and some of those people are some of my great friends. And it was just sort of this like galvanizing experience. All of us growing in our faith together, making really big decisions, crammed into a hotel room, praying at night, the full Urbana experience. And at that 2012 Urbana, I really felt a call to pursue lifelong mission because I think up to that point, I had always just said, oh, like, that's not really for me. That's for like the super churchy people. But seeing what God was doing in the world was like, whoa, this is way bigger than just me at Purdue University. That's awesome. Urbana 2012 was also my first Urbana. I had just come on staff at that point. It was a phenomenal experience, the way that the gospel is talked about here. And God's global mission is just stuff that I haven't heard about in a way that feels like I'm welcomed into it and a part of it. For you, as you look back over the 10 years since Urbana 2012, are there ways that you can see that Urbana has played a role in shaping who you were becoming through the rest of your 20s and into your 30s? 
So one of the things that I was thinking of is I mentioned I grew up in this church that no one was really acting different. They weren't doing anything in the name of Jesus. They were just sort of going through the motions. And when I started studying the scriptures and really examining the person of Jesus, it was like, he's not only giving eternal life and things like healings and miracles, he's giving purpose to his followers. And at Urbana, it was this perfect thing of if you're following Jesus, you have a purpose here. There is a place that God has invited you into to play a significant role in his kingdom that is coming about. So whether that is coming on staff and establishing witnessing communities or what Carl, my buddy that I went with, he went to work for Frito-Lay and dove headfirst into his church. Now the dude makes Cheetos for the glory of God. (laughs) But like both of us were living out the full calling and purpose of the Lord. That was what Anna was so impactful for me was it helped to galvanize. I have a purpose. But also, we have a purpose. As I was looking over the whole stadium, we have a purpose. And for some reason, the God of the universe invites us along. So I think in 20s and 30s, it set up this trajectory of now I'm no longer on staff. My purpose is still make disciples, bring about the glory of God. Now that has just shifted a little bit. And so it's making disciples with my kids. I'm involved in my church community. I'm looking and noticing needs in my neighborhood and meeting them with the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for the kingdom of God. And in the midst of pursuing that purpose, God does some really cool things, not only in us, but also for his broader kingdom. I'm really excited to hear from somebody that we're going to be engaging with on a daily basis at Urbana, whose participation in God's global mission is discipling his family, engaging with his neighbors, being a part of his church community, because I think for many of us, that's what we're going to identify with the most. Yes, there are some of us who are being called overseas, but many of us are being called into sort of everyday faithfulness with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our family. And so I love it that that is a tangible, real outcome of being a part of the Urbana Conference. So let's start talking about what's to come. Tell us about your role at Urbana 22. Yes. So ever since my first Urbana as a staff member, as somebody there to serve students that were attending this conference is the manuscript Bible study component studying the scripture together in that communal aspect. So my role at this Urbana, I'm going to be facilitating the scripture study for the alumni track. Urbana is not just for college students. This is something that is open to people from all walks and especially people that have had a connection with university. My role will be facilitating that scripture study. It's one of the things that I love doing because I'm just kind of a constant learner. And then two, I remember when I was studying scripture, it was just like, no one told me this? What? I fell in love with that. And so one of my favorite things that I get to do is help people discover on their own that aha of, whoa, this is what it says. God has sort of gifted me with some ability to do that. And then it's just like, okay, God, whatever you want to say. And like, I just keep pointing to this. You read it and now you are put into a position where you have to respond to it. And I just kind of help to facilitate that. That's what I will be doing at Urbana. That's awesome. I'm really excited, especially knowing that you've had a few different Urbanas of engaging. You're not just Joe Schmo coming off the street. You have some experience with this process. So that's exciting to me that we have this humble but experienced guide who's going to help walk us through these texts. We're going to talk a little bit about the things that are coming up for you, the things that you're getting psyched for that you've been prepping. But before we do that, for some of us, it's been a little while since we've been in a, in a like group manuscript session. So can you just tell us what can we expect for a manuscript study experience together during Urbana? So I think the thing to expect is if you remember your time with your university chapter, or maybe you went to an Urbana before, we are going to get together 
in a room. We're going to work with each other to discover what God has to say to us as a group, while also facilitating individual time to respond. And so we're taking a piece of scripture, identifying as much as we possibly can, things that stick out to us for things that just seem to resonate. And we throw it all up in the air, um, (laughs) help to kind of bring it back down for everyone. And the beautiful piece of that is that Sally, who's sitting next to you, or Jerome, who's sitting to the left of you, maybe sees it in a different way. Maybe says, hey, I have never heard this. I wonder what the significance of that is. Or why does this keep coming up? Let's figure out what does this text maybe have to say? And then we allow room for God to really then resonate with individuals. We will dive deep into scripture. We will get into heady concepts. We will not land the plane with most of them. And that's kind of that point. We're going to shuffle a bunch of stuff up in the air and we're going to be able to let things really take root in our own life. Like, man, I just keep thinking about this. Why does this keep coming up? And it's like, well, God is sort of bringing something to my attention through his scripture and then his Holy Spirit is illuminating that and giving me eyes to see that play out. That'll be part of our mornings. So you'll walk from plenary session where you have worship, and then we'll walk in, we'll study scripture together. The best part is we set it up so you get released into free time. So you can either allow that to pierce your heart and then say, hey, I'm going to go get Jimmy John's. Or you say, God is really doing something significant. I should probably go get some prayer for this. I should bring my buddy and we need to talk about this. I need to grab my spouse. We need to figure out what does this look like for us as we're going to go back to our context because the scriptures can resonate with us, but also they demand a response. One of the things that I'm really glad that you talked about there was this idea that there's some of the stuff that is just is not going to get brought in for a landing. We need to come in prepared for being left in the tension of, okay, but but then what? And that there's going to be space left for this interaction between you and the Holy Spirit of like, hey, we're getting this communal direction. But what that looks like for you in specific application when you go back home, there's work that you and Jesus need to do in sorting that out together. There's some things that you're going to be frustrated about. There are going to be things you're going to be excited about. There are going to be things that you just don't understand yet. And that's okay. It's that lifelong narrative of engaging and discovering what it looks like for me to be a part of this global mission. So Ross, can you give us just a couple of little insights, a few windows into some things that you're excited about in your own prep time? As I'm just looking over the passages that we're going to be studying, it just seems like God is orchestrating, hey, I'm going to give you a word for here and now. We're looking through the book of Acts, Jesus, life, death, resurrection. Jesus leaves. He's like, peace. And then all (laughs) these people are up in the upper room. Like, oh man, what are we supposed to do? He was talking about bringing about this kingdom and he's not here anymore. And then he talks about giving us this helper to like really release us into starting the church. The churches that we are in today come from this upper room moment. And so for us, what does it look like to be a witness? So Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. If you dissect that Acts 1.8, there's this power of the Holy Spirit. That word power, even in the original Greek, was the same root word that we get for dynamite. So immense power. And the whole purpose of it is to be a witness. And then we get this sort of ripple effect, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so that's what we're cruxed on. And then we're going to study the rest of the book of Acts of like, how does that actually play out? And so I think for the student experience, we're asking the question, how do I witness to my friends, the people that live next to me? But it doesn't stop there because I'm sure that all of our alumni are getting involved in churches. They're graduating from university chapters. And now they're getting plopped into a job 40, 
50, 60 hours a week and asking the same question of if I'm supposed to be living on mission, how do I do that if I'm making potato chip flavors, right? Like, how do (laughs) I do that if I'm a nurse? And so really wrestling with that question of what is God's invitation for me to be a witness and how does the power of the Holy Spirit interact with that? How does God's scripture interact with that? And how does the broader community interact with that? And why I think it's most important now is if you just look at our society, we're most divided that we've ever been. It seems like people are not reaching across aisles. They're not reaching across the street to like love their neighbor. And we're getting to this point now where it is such a negative view to be a biblically based Christian, right? Where now if you hold to like a biblically orthodox view of the scriptures, you are going to rub people the wrong way. And so they don't want to like walk into a church. They're not going to go to some conference. And so how do we witness to them? I think that God has something for us in the book of Acts that shows us this new way. And we're going to see a simple playbook of how this is going to happen. And I think that's what I'm excited for is that it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be this sort of grand revelation. At the end of the day, it's simple. As Christians, we're called to look different than the rest of the world, and we're called to love different than the rest of the world. And that's what's going to really stand out in our witness. Being taught how to do that and being encouraged how to do that and doing that communally, I think, for us as alumni of university, we're going to send out and we're going to go out from something like Urbana and be encouraged. We're going to be equipped and we're going to be hopefully really set on fire to, hey, here is actually my, here's my witness, my purpose. And here's how I can actually do this with my neighbors. Ross, for people that are sort of bringing themselves out of their normal everyday life into this very different context to be motivated in this direction that maybe they felt stagnant or frustrated about, like, how do I even do this? I just don't know how to do it in today's context. It could feel like kind of whiplash jumping into that. So I wonder, do you have any words for alumni, things that they can do to prepare for stepping into the space together? Yeah, I think the biggest thing would be to ask God to posture your heart towards that learning and receiving posture Two, asking the Lord to give you more and more grace. But I think at the end of the day, really being open to actually getting spurred towards something. For our society today, the pulse that I get is that people are not in a mode of understanding or receiving. We're always sort of in this on guard. And so I wonder what it looks like for us to like spend a week, four days, whatever, at Urbana, just being like open and receptive to like what God maybe has to say. And yeah, it might come across in a way that doesn't jive well with me. Or it might be like, "Eh, that does sort of hurt a little bit. Knowing that the whole purpose of our journey and our walk in faith is that we're going to be challenged to do things that cost us. Part of that Holy Spirit coming is there's a power to be a witness, but a ton of what I'm learning is there's also this power to be in unity and it's going to cost us. The body picture of how God orchestrates his kingdom, everyone plays a part. If you're the arm, like you have to give up being the leg because I'm looking at the scriptures, it's die to yourself give up everything and pursue community and unity. And the Holy Spirit is the only thing inside of us that can like even propel us to that. All that to say, I'm going to do my homework, but I am not going to hold back as a teacher where I think God maybe is saying something and being ready for something that could potentially be hard, I think is something that is part of our journey because we're talking about literally a church that is walking into intense persecution. 
And it's the more that Rome is trying to snuff out this early church, the more that it is exploding. That is a harsh word because we've lived in, well, yeah, I just get to do whatever I want. Like nothing costs me. And I'm like, we look at the scriptures and we look at the trajectory. Okay, it's maybe going to start costing us. And can we trust that the Lord is good in the midst of that? Urbana is the place where we can find people that we can lock arms with and we can bring about this courageous witness in a compelling way. But the flip side of that is like, it actually costs you. Ross, I feel like you've given us some really good thoughts about not only how can we prepare, but what can we be prepared for? Do you have a final invitation for our alumni to join us in December? Yeah, I think there's a real cost to coming, plane tickets and the cost of registration and all of that. But as I'm looking around, I can only speak for West Lafayette, but there are not a ton of churches or ministries that are really pushing towards how do you become a lifelong disciple and how do you press into the hard things and how do we not shy away from difficult conversations? There is an invitation, I think, there. And then I think if you really want to not only like discover, discern, and decide, but if you want to really see what God's doing from a global perspective, if you're an alumni that's asking those questions and you really would love to be encouraged, but also be pushed and be enabled to grow, Urbana is a great spot. And I don't want to say that Urbana is a replacement for your local church. You've got to like plug in there and you've got to dive in head first. And just like coming to Urbana, you've got to be gracious, but coming to a thing like Urbana is going to help fill you up, but then also give you some tools to go back. And I think the coolest thing that could happen, this is kind of what I've been praying for, is, okay, all these people are going to converge on Indianapolis. God could do something really powerful right before the new year. And the impact of that, the ripple effect, the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth production from that is going to look like John and Sally, who are married and are alumni, they're going to go out and they can love their neighbors. They can help their small group. They can help their church. They can be a part of the local church. We're going to introduce you to the global mission of God and your heart is going to break for certain areas. And God might invite you into a really costly way of doing that and saying, hey, you should move to this place. But for the majority, it's going to be, hey, you're going to take the knowledge of what's going on in the global church, the encouragement coming together with other believers in community and the equipping that's going to happen through the training components of Urbana. And you can go out to Newcastle, Indiana, to San Jose to your tech startup office in Portland, and you can start to bring about witnesses to the kingdom of God, just like Jerome at the water cooler, right? He is like the picture of the fruits of the spirit. There's something about him. If we can launch a bunch of people across the country into those churches, into those communities, into those dorms, the kingdom of God is going to take that ground from the enemy, which is all you see the church of Acts doing. So that's what I'm excited about. And I think that's why alumni should come. Your decision is to decide if you want to come and join us. Yes. Alumni Urbana is for you. And we want to see you there. We want to hang out with you. We have a space that's going to be ready just for you to help contextualize the things that we're learning and experiencing together at Urbana 22. So Ross is going to be there. I'm really looking forward to getting to engage over acts together during our time there. So thank you so much in a season of life where you've already got enough going on. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you've joined us here today and that you're going to join us at Urbana as well. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your prep ahead of time. This has been a costly endeavor for you and for your family. We're really grateful for you setting the example of what it looks like for us to say yes for the sake of investing in what we trust will be great 
So thank you for being a part of this with us today. And I'm really excited to get to hang out in December. You're welcome. I'm super thankful for the alumni team for thinking of me getting to share time with you guys, but also to help facilitate some really good time in scripture, I think, for university alumni that I'm praying could have a really profound impact on what God is doing, not only in individuals, but in communities and in local contexts. Well, alumni, here we are at the end of a five-month journey previewing some pretty amazing Urbana offerings. We've gotten to hear from our MC, our worship director, our conference director. We've heard stories of personal transformation at Past Urbana's and the lifelong impact of those experiences. And we've now gotten a small taste of what we can expect our manuscript time together to be like. And I know I'm biased. I know that Urbana as a whole is going to be packed with transformative worship, speakers, seminars, and so many other connection spaces. But I really believe that these manuscript times together alumni stand to be some of the most meaningful and useful for us as we receive from the Lord. For many of us, it's been so long since we've gotten to rub shoulders around the table with our peers and explore God's word like this. Just imagine the camaraderie, the moments of discovery, saying yes to invitations from Jesus and taking next steps in his global mission, all happening right here in this space together. A community of alumni encouraging each other and blessing one another back into our own contexts to live these things out. As Ross said, it will be challenging. We might even hear things that we don't want to hear. But I trust that God has some amazing next steps in mind for our alumni community as we say yes to the exciting and the challenging. I'm really looking forward to seeing you there. And if you haven't registered yet, there's still time. You can find registration info in the show notes. Ross, thanks so much for joining us this week. Blessings to you and your family as you continue to develop new rhythms together with Ellie Grace. And I'm looking forward to hanging out together in the alumni connection space in just a few short weeks. All right, that's it for today, but come on back next week for our second to last episode of the season. That's right, season two has nearly come to a close, but we've got some great stories that you've never heard from past guests. We're cleaning up the cutting room floor and sharing some great moments that just couldn't fit into previous episodes. So come on back for that. And in the meantime, don't forget to get yourself entered into that year-end giveaway. You can find instructions on our Facebook and Instagram posts or tag us in a story with a picture of us in your top five podcasts from 2022 wrapped on Spotify. As always, please subscribe, rate and review and share after four with your alumni friends. Thanks for listening and I will see you in the after alumni.